African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, uh, where you get the African perspective. I'm sure you know that tagline by now. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, on African Dialogue, where we come to you every Monday to Thursday, 1100 hours Central African time. You're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. That's our main service on our shortwave offering. And also, you can listen to us on DSTV Audio Bouquet on Channel 8 and uh, we can uh, also be streamed on www.channelafrica.co.za Today we're looking at a very serious and maybe something that we don't take too seriously but uh, that uh, is something that we should actually focus our minds on on how we can change things and uh, that is the issue of food waste and that's a big phenomenon even in a poor continent such as Africa and uh, according to a research that's focused on South Africa, it states that South Africans are the biggest wasters of food. It has reported that 30% of the food that is produced in the country is not eaten. 30%. That's a high, high number. And uh, the real issues around why it's not eaten, it's that it's usually discarded. How bad is that? Or it becomes rotten due to the fact that South Africans buy too much food. Food. Now, that's a sad story. And this is despite the expensive costs of groceries in the countries and the fact that there is an increase of food prices year in and year out. And uh, very concerning figures that have actually come out, especially from a South African context. But we'll also broaden the debate in terms of what's happening on the African continent. Joining us on the line, we've got Pumuzi Sukati, who is the Senior Nutrition Officer at the FAO Regional Office for Africa. And also we've got Tatiana von Bormann, who is also joining us from the Worldwide Fund for Nature. Uh, she's a food expert there. But let me start the conversation with you, Tatiana, in terms of uh, this sad phenomenon that we're seeing. How would we actually describe this term uh, food wastage? Because I think most people think that uh, you know, when something is rotten and you throw it away, that's not food wastage. And people think just because I bought it, that means it's something that I'm not wasting, I'm, I'm willing to actually utilize. But when you throw it away because it gets rotten, you don't think you've just wasted food. Yes, thanks, Benjamin. Just to, to make your listeners feel better immediately, in fact, the, the waste in South Africa, only about 5% of that is occurring at the consumer. So really, you know, in terms of what arrives in our homes, we are wasting about 5% of that, uh, 30% that's wasted every year. Most of it, in fact, happens in the agricultural stage of the food production wow. chain. So, yeah, about 50% between the on-farm and at processing. So that's really where the big impacts 
sit. But you're right, you know, we need to think differently in our homes as well, and we need to, to really make a greater effort to try and uh, eat what we, what we purchase and, and find ways of, of making sure that that food does not land up in the bin. Let's look at why we're seeing that dynamic, Tatiana, of uh, why food gets wasted in more of from the agricultural process before it even gets to our homes. So there's, there's food loss and there's food waste. And loss is, is really out of uh, the farmer's control, and that's where you've got a disease or largely out of the control, a disease or an unexpected weather event um, or just something in the, the growing season itself. The waste occurs when actually harvested uh, foods or, or uh livestock is not taken up by the market is not and for WWF the the aim is that people eat that food ultimately and that occurs for a number of reasons it occurs because of um, maybe it's over planting so you've planted more than the market can absorb absorb maybe the the fruit or vegetable doesn't meet the specification that the the retailer or the buyer had had required um, often it's just because the price is not right so if it's um, fruits and vegetables it might be that the, there's an oversupply in the market and it's not worth the farmer's um, time and effort really to, to uh, truck that into the market. Um, or if it's you know, global commodities, it might just be that the, the soy that was grown in South America this year is coming into the market at a cheaper price than it would cost to have um, the soy bought and trucked to you in South Africa. So it, it's got to do with our global market and it's got to do with market dynamics here in South Africa as well. Well, let me come to you, Mpumuzi. Is it the same dynamic when you look at it from a continental um, perspective, uh, the trends that Tatiana has highlighted when it comes to food wastage? Yes, uh, thank you very much, Benjamin, for inviting me to this uh, 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 forum. And uh, like Tatiana said, rightly pointed out, yes, Food wastage is a is a continental phenomenon. If I can say, if I cannot say a global phenomenon, yes, it's everywhere in Africa. But like, and like she says, we we have to be looking at where the food wastage uh, happens. Because if you are looking at the food system, you you look at it at the system approach. So you have to look at the, uh, the the vulnerable points where the loss happens along the value chains. So for, for small-scale farmers, for example, because they do not have the right technology, they do not have the, 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 the right uh, transportation, they are not properly linked to markets, you find that they pay the greatest burden of losing the food that they produce. So for, for the reasons of lack of storage facilities, you find that in the production cycle, in any given production cycle, there would be a point of too much food that is being produced and they are not be able to sell it. And then they are the times of glut because a lot of them also depend on rain-fed agriculture and the production is, it depends on the, on the rainfall and, and mm. the cycles of, of weather patterns. So I would say, yes, it's a big problem and the continent of Africa has realized the importance of this and the Malabo Declaration is, is putting a strong emphasis on reducing post-harvest losses. And their aim is to have post-harvest losses 
by 2025. It's one of the key African policies, uh, and it's one of the key preoccupations for the continent. And how does this relate to issues of poverty, malnutrition on the African continent, Pumuzi? Because you see, you know, the need is dire when it comes to the nutrition on the African continent. And then you have this issue of food wastage from an agricultural uh, viewpoint. It's almost two contrasting, contradicting issues, and that should be worrying for us as a continent. Yes, thank you. Thank you again, Benjamin, for raising that. Yes, it, it, it is really sad that Africa is still faced with a, a lot of malnutrition statistics. We, we are experiencing uh, recently increasing levels of stunting. There are still sub on statistics of wasting, and this happens in a situation whereby the continent is facing a lot of post-harvest losses. So what we need to be looking at are the drivers. What, what are driving these malnutrition statistics when there are possibilities of making sure that the food that we produce is right, find the right people who need it, and it, it's a uh, it, it reaches them in, in the state that will ensure their nutrition. So I think these, these, these are issues whereby they, they, we, we do not have to look at Africa as a homogeneous region because there are areas whereby food production, for example, the sub-Saharan Africa is a surplus producer of cereals whereby other regions are not able to produce enough food. So we need to be looking at ways of getting the food as, as soon as possible in, the, in, a, in a nutritional state to the people that really need it. So it also it talks to issues of uh, promoting trade, I mean, promoting data and making sure we, we target the markets where the food is really needed. Coming back to you, Tatiana, you know, it brings this conversation back to the idea of how we should be rethinking in terms of food, in terms of how we produce food uh, from a more economic perspective, what are we getting wrong? Tatiana, are you there with me? Sorry, yes, here I am. Thank you. A very good question. I mean, we, I think across the continent, we, and certainly in South Africa, yes, we I'm produce, here. I'm sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, you're very clear. Yes. Yeah, yeah I, can, okay. I can hear you very clearly. You can go ahead, Tatiana. Super, thank you. Um, uh, certainly in South Africa, we produce enough food for our entire population to eat a nutritious diet. And yet, you know, 26% of households experience hunger and a further 28% um, are at risk of hunger. And so we are currently working with um, uh, national government to look at whether it's possible to create a policy environment that really encourages food donations so that food is taken off farms, out of um, the retail environment, while, while it's still good to eat and reaches those vulnerable communities. But I think there's a, there's a bigger problem in the way... Um, you know, food is accessed and and distributed. So there is, unfortunately, a very um, serious imbalance in our food system that needs to be corrected so that we we really don't sit with a situation where there's more than enough food and it's rotting in the sun while people are going hungry. And But who's responsible for that process then, Tatiana? Well, I think partly because it's it's a market 
risk-driven um, imbalance, there's a there is an issue for the farmer. You know, it, it lands up costing the farmer to get that produce off their farm. So I, I'm not sure that it's easy to point it at one responsible agent. Although everybody has the the agency through the value chain to shift that. So I think uh, we're already seeing here in the Western Cape uh, a system where government has um, a WhatsApp group where farmers simply let the extension officers know that there is food available or produce available on their farms. Um, they dispatch trucks. Those trucks take the food off farms and into a whole um, network of early childhood development centers, making sure that those children have access to, to good food. Um, so there are ways that, that government is respond responding. We're seeing that certainly in the retail sector here in South Africa, a massive effort to donate food through a food bank type system so that that gets to vulnerable communities. I, I think that more could still be done in the manufacturing sector, although there are a lot of standout examples of manufacturers making sure that non-perishable food, you know, it might have a date label, but actually that food lasts and lasts and lasts. Those date labels can be extremely misleading, mm. um, that they're getting food into the community. So there is, there is action that can be taken, but even those food donations shouldn't detract from government's efforts to really reassess the way our food system is working and, and how it's excluding those most vulnerable. And that's both the smallholder farmer, um, as my colleague in Kenya has mentioned, and the, the farm laborers who often are the, the rural hungry as well as the urban hungry. We're speaking to Tatiana van Bormen, who's joining us uh, from uh, the Worldwide Fund. She's a food expert there and also joining us from Accra, Ghana, uh, from uh, the FAO is the senior nutrition officer there, uh, who is uh, Mpumuzi Sukati. We'll carry on this conversation. Very worrying to see these very contradicting things that are taking place in terms of the usage of food. We'll uh, continue to look at the costs of it and also how do we actually uh, look at food as a potentially viable resource. Uh, we'll come back to that after this break. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunya Nzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. You with me, Benjamin Mushata. I'm a right here on African Dialogue. Remember, at 11.45 Central African time, we'll get our business news, getting the latest on what's happening in the economy of the continent, and thereafter, we'll get our sports from Figile Lingwati. I'm sure everybody is really eyeing the progress of Senegal in the World Cup since they're one of the last remaining African countries there. So I'm sure we'll get more of an update of what's happening 
happening in the World Cup when uh, uh, Figile arrives. But right now we're looking at this big subject matter, which is food waste and the phenomenon on the African continent. How do we make sure that we actually leverage food as uh, something that is a resource that could also uh, change uh, uh, the economic uh, uh, deficits that we are finding on the African continent? And Pumuzi Sukate is joining us uh, from the Food and Agricultural Organization from uh, Ghana, and uh, he is the Senior uh, Nutrition Officer for the Africa uh, Office there. And Tatiana van Bormen is also on the line from the Worldwide Fund. She's a food expert. And I want to come back to you, Mpumuz, in terms of, um, you know, f- you know, that idea of utilizing food as a, a resource uh, looking at the context of the poverty and economic deficit that we have as an African continent I don't think it's something that we've really really focused our energy on yes uh, uh, thank you very much Benjamin for that uh, as you might be aware uh, a lot of the food in Africa is produced by small-scale farmers. In fact, estimates are saying that up to 70% of it is produced by small-scale farmers. But the irony is that these are the same farmers that are facing poverty and malnutrition statistics. So something is not right here. So I think the food production that they, they, they are engaging in, it can be really their greatest asset out of poverty. So we need to be finding ways of how we can use the food they produce to empower them. So one of the key things that are, that are, are really necessary to make the, the income multiplier of food high is to value add that, that, that food that is being produced. So I think if we encourage value addition, for example, if we are not producing tomato for a tomato, but we are producing a tomato to make tomato sauce, what we are doing there is we are increasing the lifespan of, of that commodity and in, in automatically we are reducing the post-harvest loss and the, the stress of handling it after harvest. And number two, we are also adding value or, I mean, to that uh, I mean, product such that it will be able to fetch a higher price in the market. What we are also doing there is we are also in creating employment in, in, in that agricultural value chain. We, we know very well Africa is battling with youth unemployment. We have to look at issues of women empowerment along the agricultural value chain. So I will say that one of the critical things to address both service laws and food wastage and also to create employment and increase value of food is really to zero in on the value addition aspects of their food. What are your thoughts, Tatiana, on uh, what Mpumuz is highlighting on adding a value chain to uh, to the natural resource itself? Yes, I would, I would agree. I think that's absolutely critical and it, it made me think about, you know, the investment that's required to establish those processing facilities sure. And I suppose what we're seeing in, in Africa as, as both a risk and an opportunity is the interest in the agricultural arable land in Africa as, as becoming a, the breadbasket or, or the food basket of the world as the world population grows and available arable land shrinks. And I think for us um, throughout the continent, the challenge will be to not necessarily to block that investment, but to, to structure that investment in such a way that it benefits the people of Africa. So to attract um, investment, which and, and increasingly um, international 
banks are, are really advising clients that Africa is an attractive long-term investment opportunity. So in the short term, there are, there are certainly challenges, but in the long term, the expectation is there's an opportunity in the agricultural space in Africa. And it really falls to our governments to negotiate with those foreign countries in such a way that we attract investment that supports the people of Africa and, and absolutely the smallholders who are so critical in the food production process. And that there's a requirement of investment, as you emphasise there. And, you know, I'm also interested in how you would structure uh, the system to actually benefit uh, small farmers. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not my area. <laughs> let, let me take that to Mpumuzi. Let me take that to Mpumuzi because that, that's such an important point that Tatiana highlighted. And I'm sure from her expertise, she's highlighting this due to the fact that most of the time when you do actually have a value addition, it doesn't really benefit uh, the farmer, Mpumuzi. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, thank you very much uh, for, for that. Uh, I, I think what, what we, we, we need to be thinking of, in, in fact, uh, to probably reduce the burden or the huge burden of investment is that there are already uh, big value chains that are happening in the continent, you know. So I think one of the easiest ways to, to, to go about this is to try to convince the, the, big, the, the big players in the industry to, to try to link up with the small-scale farmers so that the small-scale farmers are linked up to the existing value chains. I mean, for quick empowerment. If we are to approach this uh, probably by starting with creating special uh, processing plants and investments for small-scale farmers, the investments will be huge. Instead of using existing value chains and then linking the small-scale farmers to those existing value chains and building their capacity to meet market standards and linking them to these uh, existing value chains. All right. So I want to come back to the ordinary person now, Mpumuz, in terms of we could be looking at it from an agricultural perspective, but what is my role? You know, I know when I started buying groceries as a single guy, I used to just go once a month and buy a whole lot of stuff that I thought I could use until the end of the month. And then over time, I learned that actually I'm wasting so much food because I'm throwing so much that I didn't really need because... You know, I had actually too much food in my fridge and I had to conscientize myself to actually start thinking differently about food purchasing. Uh, thank you very much, Benjamin. I think that is a critical point. You know, one characteristic of food is that it has a low income elasticity. As, as income increases, you, you might find that your demand for, for food does not increase that much. You know, you know very well that no matter how much you aim, you can only eat so much. So I think the, the the question here is consumer for I mean consumer education really to 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 go out there and and teach consumers to respect food. I I think the more we we create advocacy around people to respect food, you know, it it, it will go a long way. People should not look at food as something just to uh, I mean just as a commodity, but they should look at it as, at it as part of life, you know. So so such that they. Uh, put some form of respect to it, you know. So, I mean, in that way, I mean, consumers will be able to 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 to, uh, to plan their purchase and smooth their consumption so that at least they do not waste so much food on, or, I mean, so much income on food that they will end up not eating anyway.
You know, coming back to that point that Pumuzi is highlighting, comes to perceptions, Tatiana, doesn't it, in terms of how we view food. From your perspective as a food expert, do you think that uh, a majority of people just have a misconception on just the idea of what food is and its value? Yes, I think that's a wonderful point. I think that somewhere we've lost the rituals and respect that went around our food. I think that as our lives get busier, as our diet changes to much more processed food, certainly that's what's happened in South Africa. We've shifted to a largely westernized diet um, and and we much more convenient food, much more fast food. So it starts to become simply a, a matter of fuel into our bodies rather than this rich produce from our, our planet that, that really is connected connects all of us and, and, and connects us back to the land. And I think that we, we, we should start thinking differently about our food. I think that's the first step to changing all of this, is those of us who have the privilege of being able to make choices of, of wasting unthinkingly need to start really reflecting on our food. And one of the first ways of doing that is, is trying to make space again for, for cooking in the home, cooking mm. with friends, and not, not speeding up the pro-eating. Mm. Because, because that, that's a process that we hate, isn't it? The food <laughs> preparation in itself because of our no, busy, like busy lives. <laughs> <laughs> I know as a single guy, I love cooking, but I kind of try to stay away as much as I can from it. So I'll cook more than I need to and I'll know when I get back tomorrow, I'll eat what I made yesterday. And, and I think it's just redesigning your cooking methods to actually fit in into your own lifestyle. Yeah, I agree with you. And and I think we, we need to prize it again. We need to make it something that is that is special in our sense of and there's still so many cultures and societies where, where food is, is such an important ritual, it's such an important marker of celebrations and I think we just need to, to somehow bring that into our daily experience of food again. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll wrap up the conversation after this break. We're speaking about food wastage. What are your thoughts around it? How does it deepen the African crisis of poverty and especially that big problem of malnutrition? Uh, Give us your thoughts on our Twitter handles at Channel Africa One. And you can also give us your thoughts on our other Twitter handle that's more focused to this program at African Dialogue. Or you can interact with us on our Facebook page. You can inbox us at Channel Africa. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back wrapping up the conversation with our guests. If you're just joining us, we have Mpumuzi Sukati who's joining us uh, from uh, the headquarters of uh, the FAO and he's a senior nutrition officer there for the regional office for the continent. And we also have from the Worldwide Fund for Nature, we have a food expert, Tatiana von Bormen, who've been giving us real advice on how we can really look at food wastage and uh, very much uh, Tatiana highlighting at the beginning of the program that uh, from a food wastage in terms of our homes, it's not really me and you who are actually wasting the most food, but some of it is happening from and before it gets on our plates. But we can still take responsibility on how we actually make sure that we do not waste food. But we'll wrap up the conversation. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back. Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, listen to Humanity, 
Women in Unity, an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Humanity, Women in Unity, on Channel Africa every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity, with Dr. Amalea Gonez-Malka. Every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements. The voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mishatam. We're just about to wrap up our conversation on the food wastage and really trying to redefine how we actually see our food as consumers and also from a large-scale perspective as a continent, how do we actually produce food and how do we make sure in the food chain that we don't see a food wastage. Getting great commentary from our two experts on the line. We have Tatiana von Bormann, food expert from Worldwide Fund for Nature, and Pumuzi Senior Nutrition Officer from the Food and Agricultural Organization, uh, joining us on uh, the line uh, from Accra, Ghana. Now, uh, let's uh, wrap up the conversation in, in, in some way. And uh, I want to look at this issue of uh, the idea of experts saying that the disposable, the disposal rather of inedible food represents the loss of a potentially valuable resource. What, what does this mean, Mpumuzi, in terms of if the disposal of uh, uh, this inedible food, what does it actually represent for society as a whole? Because sometimes we can actually uh, make it about me and you as an individual, but this has societal implications. Yes, I mean, definitely. I think from from an ethical point of view, really, I I, I mean, it's just not sitting right, you know, because if you, you are not going to plan your consumption and you, you, you buy so much that you, you cannot, you, you, I mean, you buy so much food you cannot even use it. it, it it's just not ethical. So I, I think it, it, it is, it is a, a dead weight in, into, the, into the food basket, you know, because some, some resources were, were, were made available to produce that food and, and then it's not really, I mean, going to the people that really need it. And of course, the income that you use to, to buy that food that you will end up not using, you will have used that income to empower someone else. So I think it's just shifting of perspectives, really. So for, for addressing the problem, I would say it's a multi-stakeholder approach because, uh, like, you, like you know, the more affluent societies, they end up, uh, I mean, engaging in buying a lot of food, and then there are so many problems now we are seeing in Africa of increasing obesity, increasing uh, cases of, of non-communicable diseases. So I will say this is a multi-stakeholder approach. It, it, it involves consumer education. It involves the coming up, I mean, the coming in of the ministries of health, education, and everyone so that people will start looking at food differently. Because if you are throwing away food, really, something should be telling you this is just not right. You know? And from a commercial perspective, should we be <coughs> rethinking um, the cost of food as well? Yes, clearly. Because if, if, you, are, if you are using your income to, 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 to buy that food and then you are throwing it away, we are, we, are in, we, are, we are really creating a false demand for the food, you know. So, like, as we know, demand is a big driver of food prices. So, if, you are, if there's the, 
demand pool in, in the food market, which which is the false demand pool, because that food is going to be wasted. It will t- it will tend to temper with the food market prices, and we know very well that increasing food prices have got a big impact on the on the poor household who spend a lot of their income, maybe a chunk of their income on on buying food. So. We need to be thinking about this. If you are throwing away the food, what are you creating in the food market? Because we are creating a false demand that will have an impact on the prices. Let me come to you, Tatiana. Your thoughts on uh, making sure that uh, we really look at the potential of the valuable resource which food is. Thanks, Benjamin. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, in South Africa, it's estimated that food waste and the financial burden of food waste is estimated about 61.5 billion rand, which is equivalent to 2.1% of national GDP, which, interestingly, is more or less the same contribution that our agriculture sector makes to GDP. So we, we, from an economic perspective, there is no doubt that this is such an important conversation to be having. And and really, it, it benefits... Everybody, you know, uh, it's about efficient production. It's about reducing costs um, for the consumer. It's, it's absolutely about managing household costs, not spending money on expensive food that you're not going to eat. So I think that that's why this is such a, a good conversation to start around how do we change the food system because this one makes sense to everybody and everybody benefits if we can find a way to resolve food waste. And from there, maybe we can tackle the more difficult questions around resource use and, and access and distribution. So I, I think this is a really critical conversation to be having. Well, thank you for having it with us, Tatiana. That's how we're going to wrap up uh, the program. But thank you for for your contribution. That's Tatiana von Bormen, who's joining us uh, from the Worldwide Fund uh, for Nature. She's a food expert joining us from Cape Town. And from the other side of the world, in Accra, Ghana, uh, we have Mpumuzi Sukati, who is joining us from the FAO. Uh, he's a senior nutrition officer. I'm sure, Mpumuzi, um, uh, you'll be supporting Senegal tonight. tonight. Yes, clearly. <laughs> we don't have any other choice, do we? <laughs> All right, fantastic. Tatiana, I don't know if you are a soccer fan, laughing there in the background. I, I certainly am. I thought it was tragic that Nigeria didn't oh, have yeah, that, Germany It was out, a heartbreaking game, wasn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys for giving us your insights. They've been very valuable here on Channel Africa. Thank you. Well, that takes us to 11.40 Central African time. Just a reminder, yes, we'll find out more about what could be upcoming in uh, the World Cup today. We know it's also a busy day for the continent, seeing that Senegal is uh, representing us in that regard. And uh, we'll have Figele Lingwati coming in in around 10 minutes uh, to give us uh, sport updates. And before him, we'll have our business news. But let's have some beautiful music from the legend himself, Bob Marley. This one is titled Africa Unite.
Moving right out of Babylon And we're grooving to 